And welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com. Your host is Dave Niven. Today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates. Hello and welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and this is a weekly podcast which brings together the world of social work and social care and reporting on events with guest interviews and stories that I hope offer both education and entertainment. This week's episode, I'll bring you reports on the annual conference and annual general meeting of the British Association of Social Workers at the lovely venue in London that uh, is the home of the London Symphony Orchestra. Now, if you're a new listener to the podcast, very welcome. Uh, You can download the whole podcast series on iTunes Um, So iTunes, Stitcher, and of course our website, uh, socialworldpodcast.com, are the main places that you can actually pick up this podcast and all the previous 32 episodes that we've put together for you. But please do keep leaving reviews. That would be really helpful, uh, whether on iTunes or Stitcher, as I said, or on the website itself. But also, we've got Twitter which is at Dave Niven. And also we've got the SpeakPipe facility, which is that one-click service right beside the podcasts and the blogs. Um, Because sharing is really important. It's so important because it's as much your program as mine. So share your views with us. Don't hold back. Um, And other social workers will and can benefit from your thoughts. Now, as I said, this week I'm going to be bringing you some thoughts and reports from the annual conference of the British Association of Social Workers that was held at the home of the London Symphony Orchestra just on uh, the 10th of June this year. And the speakers there were pretty sort of pretty high-ranking and quite um, helpful in terms of clarifying their particular disciplines, but also in sometimes some ways quite provocative. And that's exactly how we want it. We had um, Lord Justice Munby, who is the president uh, of the family division, Sir James Munby. We had Edward Timpson, who's the Under Secretary of State for Children and Families. Owen Jones, who's a Guardian columnist and uh, a poverty campaigner. We had Alan Baird, the Chief Social Work Advisor to the Scottish Government. And we had a panel of other experts from Northern Ireland and Wales who made a fantastic contribution to what was in fact a packed morning. And then we went on in the afternoon and I was privileged to be asked to co-run a workshop on the media. And my fellow panellists were Catherine Turney, who's a senior journalist from The Detail, uh, which is a a Belfast-based television, and Rebecca Joy Novel, who's a blogger and an online Guardian columnist. And we had Colin Reid from the NSPCC, who's their media expert and based 
in Northern Ireland. And so the four of us made presentations and fielded questions from a very, very alive audience, a very good day, a very good sort of uh, program that was. So that was the layout of the day. And so let's just take it a little bit more in detail and have a look at what some of the people were actually saying. Now, the first person was Sir James Munby, the highest family court judge in England and Wales. And he addressed the audience by firstly, unequivocally pointing out to social workers that he wants to ensure that their skills and their expertise is respected in family court proceedings. Now that might sound an obvious thing, but by goodness it's not. And those of us who have been in practice for the last few decades can tell you that often it's been a fight to gain respect for social work in family courts and otherwise. And it's not just down to one particular other discipline. It's in general we've had to fight. And the great thing that I thought Sir James actually said was that he was aware that social workers, for a variety of reasons, felt de-skilled, disempowered, and deprofessionalized. And he went on to talk about the fact that he would endeavor wherever he could to make sure that social workers were indeed recognized within the system as expert witnesses, expert in social work. You know, we're not pretending to be lawyers, we're not pretending to be therapists, or we're not pretending to be medical people, but we are experts in social work, and that's exactly how the court should view us and the legal profession should view us as well. And it may just be then that with a rise in the respect agenda, there'll also be possibly a decrease in the need for other independent professionals giving reports to the court because social work assessments and recommendations can be much more seriously relied on. And I think that's a terrific message to give out. As I said to you before, um, with the whole change agenda within the family court systems, uh, the position of social work and the contribution of social work is vital because if we are going to be endeavouring as a, a multi-agency uh, um, programme to try and de quicken up, to try and quicken up the court system and cases of family cases going through, adoption cases going through the courts, then the respect for others, the increasing respect for social workers can do nothing, nothing but actually improve that. Now he was asked from the floor about the new family drug and alcohol court and what his views were on them um, because several people within the uh, audience uh, had direct experience of these who had been these these courts where the necessarily uh, don't need to be lawyers the judge will sit alone and will see family members will directly talk with them and will actually ask them to come back in in many cases every fortnight to report back to the court as to how they're getting on now this is a pilot scheme at the moment and it's really being piloted to help parents who've got substance abuse uh, problems uh, in family cases. And he says that it works, he thinks, that it's vital. And the message for management of all the agencies is really that it actually saves money in the long term because it's solving the problem 
of, for example, the mother going on to have children year after year after year in the hope that she can keep one because people were citing the tragic circumstances of some mothers who kept on having children and kept on having to have them removed because they were considered to be at such serious risk. And, and trying to find other ways to intervene in these situations just makes such good sense, obviously for the children, but also for the adults involved as well. And the desperation of some families who can't kick substance abuse habits, but at the same time are desperate to have a family. Now, often he did say that the judges sit there and the debate becomes between the judge and the lawyers. So these courts, the, the, the drug and alcohol courts, give the parents much more of an opportunity to contribute. They give them much more of an opportunity to be listened to. And that's one, one of the things that he said will move this kind of court towards an inquisitorial system rather than an adversarial system. And I've got to say, that's been something, and if you listen to past podcasts and things that I've written and blogs and so forth in the past, I'm so much in favour of introducing far more inquisitorial activity into the family court system and in children's cases as well, uh, rather than our adversarial system in the United Kingdom, which is totally dependent on who wins, rather than getting at the truth. So anything, and in this case that Sir James Munby is actually advocating, it sits okay by me, and I hope you would think so as well. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Now, we then moved on to listen to the Minister, the Under Secretary of State for Children and Families. And he, he gave a, a, an endorsement of social work. He talked about his own previous family experiences. Um, his parents had actually fostered up to 90 children over the years. And he told us that at least two of these children had been, uh, had been adopted by the family. And so he had a continuing, uh, ongoing experience of uh, social work and social workers over the years of him growing up and his adolescence and so forth. And so he did feel um, that he understood social work and he did uh, declare that a, he supported social workers and their values and their principles and their ethical side of social work as well and that he wanted that to continue. What he wouldn't say, and this did anger uh, a lot of people in the audience, what he didn't say in effect was that within the recent debate concerning children and families and the privatisation argument about child protection, he will not come down one way or the other and actually rule it out that that would be privatised. And so pe people are very, very upset about this. They are really concerned that if there's any aspect of privatisation and that child protection services effectively get thrown to the market, then the dangers to children are manifest. The dangers of profit coming before the needs of children are increased tenfold. And when we see various um, examples like recent uh, Southern Cross Company that uh, was appalling employers of residential homes for the elderly, um, and therefore examples of where the private sector goes badly wrong and profit is put before people, then exactly the same formula is possible within the child protection system. And I, for one, and I know 
thousands of colleagues up and down the country would find that appalling, dangerous and really needing to be fought against. He did not address this in a way that the audience agreed with and he left the door wide open, in my view, for, um, uh, for privatisation in the future. We need to be very, very careful about this and we need to keep engaged in that debate. But he also talked of a new £30 million children's social care innovation programme. And it really, he said, it's opportunities for, for people who employ social workers or work with children and families, local authorities, voluntary sector, charities, etc., to put forward ideas for innovation and that, that he, did, he did accept that structures needed to be changed. He did accept that there needed to be new ideas. He did accept that there needs to be new ways of looking at how we deliver services. That's fair enough. And this was an opportunity for both individuals and organisations to put forward ideas that uh, could achieve some of these goals. So £30 million has been made available. And um, he also, he, he, you know, he, he did refer to the stresses and the high caseloads uh, that were highlighted by an all-party parliamentary committee recently, but everybody in the profession knew about anyway. And he did said that that's why the innovation programme would be very helpful because hopefully it would put forward some ideas that would alleviate some of the stress, some of the strain. Personally, I also think that a proper recruitment programme and a proper funding of social services and a proper funding of um, children's services so that it can have full employment uh, would be just as effective. Um, but, you know, where needs must, you take, you take what you can get, but at the same time you, can't, you don't stop debating. The next speaker, Owen Jones, who's um, a Guardian columnist and he's a political commentator. And I'll be honest, he was very impressive, he, very left wing in his, in his views. Um, but then again, he was also, in my view, honest and passionate. Um, he echoed so much that I've spoken about and believe passionately in. He talked about media social work bashing, how it's adding to society's problems. And at quoting from him, he says, Even as you face ever-worsening injustice, you're right to be aggrieved that the immensely positive contributions that social workers make go unheard and ignored by the media. <clears throat> Whereas every time something goes wrong, it's the only time that social work appears in our newspapers. Frankly, he said, shame on the British media. For not only is it unfair that you do wrong, it's completely counterproductive to run down people's morale, to run down a service and drive away people from this essential service. Now, I've said myself, and it is there for all to see and hear in previous podcasts and blogs, that is desperately needed a rebalancing of media image and presence of social work and, and social work um, activity. And generally, we also need much more from frontline social workers in the media. Now, this is not the ones that we have to put forward if there's a crisis. I'm talking about the huge times in between crises where the good news stories could easily be brought out there. That's where I agree with Owen wholeheartedly. The, the, the ideas that um, free, local free newspapers, local commercial radio stations, journalists ba based in the area that might write for a wider audience... 
you know, the, uh, even BBC regional, com big commercial stations, whoever, should be um, uh, contacted and said, look, we've got these stories all about successes within social work, successes within the work with children and families locally. Let you come and talk to us about it and we'll give you somebody that knows what they're talking about that would help um, um, give colour to the item. So that the very next day, when somebody is on the doorstep and a new case and having to try and build up a relationship and trust with a family that have been either reported for or self-referred, uh, uh, who are in a crisis, are having problems, need help, need anything that social work can offer, that there's just that little bit more element of trust because of what people have seen in the media. As we've said, people get 99%, in my view, of their opinions, their knowledge, and their ideas from the media. And so if the media is balanced, when the social worker arrives on the door, there won't be suspicion and hostility, certainly as much as there is at the moment, and there'll be a little bit more of an element of trust. And that's what it's all about. And this, in effect, was what I was also saying in the workshop, which was about, titled, The Media We Love to Hate, which was a little bit provocative, but at the same time, by goodness, sometimes it's true. Now, Owen also talked about the political establishment protecting themselves from public anger by stoking up the politics of envy. And this was all to do with, um, we talk about, and instead of talking about people with low pay, um, who, who's, who's lose, who are losing wages, losing jobs, being sacked, or as tax credits have gone or whatever, people living in poverty, instead of actually saying, uh, look, don't be upset with the government. You know, really direct your anger at, at the uh, person next door who hasn't got a job but whose lifestyle is like living and, and scraping off of benefits and actually living the high life while you have to go and slog at work and don't make anything like the money that they make on benefits. So blame them. Don't blame the government, for goodness sake. Blame them. And that politics of envy is a road to destruction. And that is what Owen Jones was pointing out. And very articulately, too. It was very impressive, his speech. And um, I suggest you go to the British Association of Social Workers website to get a fuller picture of that if you get a chance. It's quite inspiring. Now, something else that occurred there as well um, that I think we should uh, talk a little bit about. And that was, as I said, the um, activity that went on to do with the workshops. Now, as always, it always seems to happen. I don't know if it does with you as well, but it always seems to happen. You go to something where there's about five or six workshops, and if you're involved in one, you can only go to one. In my case, I was giving one, so I couldn't go to any of the others. But some of the ones that were on, especially Professor Ray Jones, whose book on um, Baby P, uh, you know, Peter Connolly, and his death and the whole thing is, is a fascinating read and I really recommend it to you. And he was giving a workshop on that, which obviously was well attended. But you can't simultaneously be in two, three, four rooms at the same time. However, look on the, the British Association of Social Workers website for links to any of the other stuff that went on that day. And if you get a chance to, um, read Ray Jones's book on Baby P. It's quite illuminating, quite provocative and a good read. Now, at this point, I would really just like to say thank you. 
to a few people, just generally, who through all forms of social media are supporting uh, me in this pod in the podcast. Some people who've recently, let's say, retweeted last week's episode with John Brown from the NSPCC. There was uh, Jude Tosland, there was Lizzie Legate, Peter Wanless, and the NSPCC, of course, themselves, to all their contributors and readers. So thanks for that. And people who have linked in with us, not particularly to do with the, 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 the podcast as such as, or the blog, but that probably drove it, but on the LinkedIn groups that we all belong to. Um, Manisha Mahendra Patel, thank you, who's a social work student at Nottingham. Pleased to be linked with you. David Henderson, who's a senior lecturer at the University of Glamorgan. Pleased to be linked with you. And the same goes for Linda Smith, who's Head of Safeguarding and uh, Extended Services in Warrington. Thank you. Now, another contact we had I think is fascinating, and I'm going to invite this man to uh, submit a guest blog to start with, and then I'll have a chat with him on Skype, and we'll see about getting some of his work to you uh, over these airwaves. And this person is Tuhin from Bangladesh, and he's a social work practitioner. He's a PhD student. Uh, he's a researcher, and he's an academic. And his work is all about uh, looked-after children in Bangladesh. And he's done a, he's doing his thesis from it. And at the moment, he's doing PhD from it. And I'd just like to read you just a little bit of what the email he sent to me, which gives some aspect of his work. He said, I've got 18 years of professional experience in the field of child welfare management, the development and research sector in Bangladesh. In 2013, he completed his PhD from the University of Edinburgh in the UK and received a Master's in International Child Welfare from the University of East Anglia. He's got an MBA in Human Resource Management, and he's a Senior Research Fellow at the Northern University in Bangladesh, as well as a consultant with ActionAid. He attached with his email an abstract of his PhD thesis, which is on residential childcare, the experiences of young people in Bangladesh. And I've had a good look at that, and it's really interesting. The aim of the study was to explore the experiences of residential care from the perspective of a group of young people who had lived in residential childcare institutions in Bangladesh. And in the main, his study looked at the care, education, health care and well-being of children in three different types of institutions. The NGO home, so the non-governmental organisation home, the state care home, which uh, is uh, Shishu Paribar or Sadan, and the faith-based orphanage, which is a madrasa. And it's compared the benefits and disadvantages of each system with a view to making improvements in residential childcare in Bangladesh in the future. And for those children that didn't have alternative living arrangements or were deemed to be at risk. Well, Tuhin, I welcome your input. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you. Uh, you did ask if you could contribute, and the answer is, of course, yes. It would be wonderful. And I love to have international input. And so reminding people just once more, Tuhin will figure in the future, if he's willing, 
But also, I've got lined up interviews with uh, Isabel Trowler, the chief social worker in England for children and families, and Donald Findlater, who's a, a director of the Lucy Faithful Foundation that work with offenders and who's got a vast amount of experience now in shaping policy and practice in this country uh, when it comes to sex offending. So we've got some really good interviews lined up in the future. I hope you enjoyed the kind of magazine aspect of today's podcast. Next week, as I said, we'll have interviews as well. This is Podcast 33, and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye for now.